Hello, everybody, and welcome to another action-packed episode of the Nintendo Gems podcast, where we discuss Nintendo games, new and old. My name is Connor, and I'm joined today by my lovely, rather dashing co-host, Brayden. Hello. Hello, Brayden. How are you today? I'm doing pretty good. I hope you can't tell how congested I am, but I'm I so can't. glad to be here. Good. That's and, that's awesome. Yeah, it's going to be a good show then. We're so glad to have you and your snot-filled nose. The whole package deal. And we have a fun, exciting episode today filled with blades, mechs, anime girls, and mecha anime girls. And Xenos. Don't forget the Xenos. The Xenos, whatever that is intended to mean. Yeah, that, that's a very fluid answer and question i think (laughs) that we can get into sure so uh what what do you think is first on our on on our docket for today of of the various subjects yeah i'd say first uh we're kind of a couple weeks behind on covering this um but we i think we should talk about pyra and mithra for super smash bros which is kind of in your wheelhouse eh i think i should talk about pyra and mithra in smash Yes. Smash Yes being my wheelhouse, and I've spent a lot of time with them. The only concession that is important to acknowledge before we dive too deep is that neither of us are terribly intimate with Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Correct. Neither, And by uh, that, I'm, neither of us have played it. I yes. know three characters' names. I only knew one before they announced Pyra and Mythra. <laughs> so... <laughs> um. Yes. So uh, to to further explain, the most recent addition to the roster for Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, the most recent DLC fighters added, well, fighter slash fighters are right. Pyra and Mithra. They are two characters from the semi-classic Xenoblade Chronicles 2 um, mm-hmm. for the Switch. It's a sequel to the original Xenoblade Chronicles that is now on Wii, 3DS, Switch, <laughs> and we will be discussing its pseudo-sequel in, in, a, in a few minutes. Um, but Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is quite the departure from what I understand, just uh, purely aesthetically. Like Pyra and Mithra are both like pretty typical anime girls. <laughs> the original Xenoblade kind of had like a bit more reserved, dare I say, grounded art style. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But these are like very much like mecha anime girls. They, ha- they are very well in- endowed. They <laughs> yeah. Probably exactly what you think of when you think yeah. of smelly yeah. boys playing anime games pretty much i was going to concede that there we that we haven't gotten that kind of like sort of weeb representation uh. in smash necessarily but that's not really true we have palutena we yeah. have all the fire emblem characters we have joker but mm-hmm. really I, I i would say that we don't have this quite this much of like a an otaku weeb sort of uh representative yeah sure in the roster i think that's a fair analysis but anyway so yes the 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 interesting thing about pirate and mithra off the bat is that it is two characters essentially Mm -hmm. they take one character slot they have like a transformation so you can press a button and play as pyra or mithra on the fly sort of like how back in the day for super smash bros melee and super smash bros brawl um, Zelda and Sheik were the same character, and you, would, yeah, right. I'm kind of knowing now. I'm kind of surprised they didn't bring that back in some capacity, like the option. But with the down special move, the tap of a button, you can switch between these two characters on the fly, and they they play pretty differently. Not quite as wildly differently as Zelda and Sheik did, but they have pretty parallel move sets. But they definitely have different functions as well, which lends that like a lot of 
interesting strategy and just dynamics with all the other diff- like the entire rest of the roster sure depending on the matchup like you can kind of adapt to pretty much any character on the roster as my pyra and mithra kind of because you can just kind of like adapt to any situation right to add an asterisk to the zelda and Sheik thing it's mostly interesting to me because zelda and Sheik were separated for super smash bros for wii u and 3ds because the 3ds couldn't handle the storing those two transformations uh-huh so they had to keep the wii u and 3ds versions the same and so they didn't keep it that way right um, and that's why the ice climbers weren't in there but it's just interesting now that the switch version super smash bros ultimate can handle that right that they didn't reincorporate it you know what i mean because sure. ice climbers are back and now we have this other transforming character well uh, and pokemon trainer also transforms yeah more right, or true. less you know I... definitely I didn't. I didn't think about that. Yes, you're absolutely correct. Definitely, they were definitely in Smash Four. Like no, Charizard was in Smash Four. Oh, yeah. They t- they did that too. They took out the whole Pokemon trainer. It was just Charizard. Wow. So that like yeah, the Smash Four and was pretty neutered in that regard. Yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah. So this is the most recent addition to the roster that has like this whole like two characters in one sort of mm-hmm, dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the first time in a while that we've gotten something like this other than like, you know, Joker has his like meter that he builds up. Yeah. Um, but that's not quite the same, but yes. Yeah, so Pyra and Mithra Pyra is red <laughs> um, and is like this, the sweeter, I guess, more naive and innocent kind of anime girl. Okay. Mithra is blonde and white and green and she is like the rougher tougher the the buttercup to pyro's bubbles it seems all right as it were i'm going to get them mixed up because again i don't have like very deep attachments to their character i feel like i feel like i might i'm at risk of getting their names mixed up Mm -hmm. but i'll do my best yeah terms of the way they play they both wield a sword um, they are anime sword users. Ew, Th- gross. Thank you, Sakurai. I'm mad at that. Just utterly devastated. But no creativity left in this series at, at all. All. Not a lick. But so Pyra is heavier, slower, and hits way, 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 way harder. Like, honestly, it feels like some of the hardest in the roster. Like, some of her attacks are a little absurd. And Mithra is... Faster, lighter, more agile, hits not quite as hard, but is better for like racking up damage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in a nutshell, and um, in their announcement video, Sakurai, the director, even acknowledged this. The most like kind of natural way to play them is to play as Mithra, the lighter Mm -hmm. DPS kind of, if you will, build up damage and then switch to Pyra and use finishing moves to like get quick easy low percentage knockouts you know what i mean right right is the speed difference there to really make that feel like an efficient strategy yeah because um mithra is faster and lighter so Mm -hmm. and she but she also doesn't hit quite as hard so she will knock opponents a shorter distance but she can close that gap pretty quickly so you can like build combos pretty pretty easily with her um you can like knock them in the air and follow up really easily pyra obviously hits harder so you deal more damage in one hit, but you launch them further and then they can recover more quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, they have more time for that. But Pyra, from a bird's eye view, I have not gotten a decent grip on like what tier I would consider them mm-hmm. um, and how like how actually in practice adaptable they are. Sure. I think in concept, they are 
pretty um, well-rounded and adaptable to any situation, but like in terms of like high-level play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mithra is fine. Pyra is just so interesting. Uh, all of her moves that matter hit extremely hard. Right. Probably killing at like 60% from like the middle of the stage sometimes. Oh, wow. Okay. Like really hard. Yeah. And they have a lot of end lag, which mm-hmm. means that after you use them, you are vulnerable for like a pretty long time and you can you can punish them easily. Sure. But the problem is that the initial approach is the tricky part because they all of these powerful moves have really large hit boxes wherever they mm-hmm. hit. And they also come out really quickly. For what it's worth, also, it's they're one of these characters that like shouts out the name of their move every time they use them. So that <laughs> does get a little annoying in their like squeaky anime girl voice. Uh, for whatever, whatever that's worth. Because I need to name the direction that I'm swinging my sword. Oh my god. it's It gets really annoying. Especially when players are spamming those really good moves uh-huh. over and over. For example, Pyra's up special, Prominent Upward revolt. slash. Right. <laughs> right. It's Prominent Revolt. That is what she says oh my gosh. over and over. Uh-huh. Yeah, these aren't just like extreme slash. They're Prominent Revolt. Photon spray... Xenoblade attacks are wild. Yeah. Sure, yes. Sliding slinger. Like Yes, but her her up special, it just comes down very quickly. It's kind of like Kirby's like up B, like okay. the final cutter. Or like the me sword fighter has something. She like rises up and like shoots downward mm-hmm. and stabs her sword in the ground and creates this enormous pillar of fire that is one of those moves that if it hits directly, it could probably KO you at like 60 or 70%. The interesting thing is that it only that pillar of fire only happens on one side of her, the front side, wherever she's mm. facing. So her back is very vulnerable, but she can also like kind of move where she lands a little bit to like adapt. Okay. And the, again, the pillar of fire is really, really big. So if you're reacting, you're probably going to be caught up in it in some capacity. Mm-hmm. And also, again, she lands really, really quickly. So the after effect is she is very vulnerable if it misses. But like mm-hmm. it's hard to miss, kind of, especially if you're good at reading your opponent and can anticipate that kind of thing, right? And I mean, same with her neutral special is just like a, it's like a little hurricane of fire that surrounds her that also comes out very fast, mm-hmm. leaves her very vulnerable, but also like has enormous KO power. But it surrounds all sides of her. She has a projectile that can catch opponents off guard very easily, mm-hmm. and her forward smash is basically like ganondorf and bowser levels of just like kicks your devastation (laughs) yes Um, well it's just interesting it's interesting that you were questioning her kind of viability her tier her Mm -hmm. ranking in you know the roster of compared Mm -hmm. to the rest of the characters um because i know in my limited knowledge of competitive gaming especially smash at least that vulnerability is not something that competitive players are really willing to gamble a lot of the time like Mm. they consider counters like a waste of a move slot essentially you know because it's in a it leaves you vulnerable b it takes too much time it's much more efficient to like dodge and things like that because high level players don't take that kind of risk they're not like they don't rely on the gullibility of their opponent (laughs) right Uh uh-huh and so that makes me wonder you know if if they will find ways to you know work around those in lags or or not if she'll get well, relegated so, to the dustbin sure but you have to remember that's one half of the character ah touche you know 
like that's the thing is like a, a I think a really really high level highly skilled pyra and mythic player could be unstoppable uh-huh. because they can switch between the two yeah on the fly at whim whatever the situation calls for and a good counter to pyra the heavier slower one is a quick nimble character that can like dart around their moves and like combo her and also her recovery is really is really bad mm-hmm. like that up b is like really all she has yeah mithra has like a, a side dash attack that's a little better but if you get pyra off the stage she's pretty much done for yeah so a lighter faster character is better against pyra and like mithra f- is really easy to launch and so a heavier slower character against her is very is might be the move but mm-hmm. the problem is that like whoever is playing a high level Mithra and Pyra can do both. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so I really don't know how fair it is. I will say in, in all of my, I, I got them to elite smash. It wasn't oh, that hard. Look at you. And I've played a lot of them online since they released and mostly outside of elite smash. Have I done this? So mostly casual players and like people that are sort of figuring them out mm-hmm. and like, aren't trying super duper hard or aren't super super duper skilled and they're pretty easy to outsmart but that's kind of just coming back to like in the right hands sure yeah in like a professional tournament setting i don't think others could fare too well potentially but i don't know how long is her transformation animation it is almost instantaneous there is at least a frame of invulnerability Mm -hmm. where they're like intangible like it can work as like a dodge wow like a spot dodge Uh um which is like by design apparently okay because that was like that was a point in their release trailer as well was that you can transform Mm -hmm. as like a dodge and then come back and kind of counter punish you know yeah exactly i do wish i cared about xenoblade chronicles 2 more than i did just so i was more invested Mm -hmm. because i gotta say their initial reveal was pretty devastatingly disappointing right can you vouch for that too absolutely culturally anticlimactic after well and they did it did it to themselves you know like sure they they set the bar way too high absolutely well and 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 we still have two more to go right who knows maybe i should take that back but right after the bar had been set we can say what the future of the of the other two characters is for for a later discussion, but E three is around the corner. Mm. I'll say that much. And we did get a double character reveal two E threes ago when there was an E three before the pandemic. Wow, Banjo and Hero. So I'm just saying, hoping, praying, maybe we'll see. That would be hype. Yes. We'll see. Is it time to let Mr. Sakurai rest? Or is it time for oh Fighter God. Pass 3? He should have rested two decades ago. Are you kidding me? <laughs> he he needs to take a nap. But do we need more? Do we get more? Do we deserve yes. more? Yes. Oh, yes. We need more. But Sakurai needs to needs to like take like an hour's vacation. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's probably You know, he needs to like change his desktop to like a beach or something <laughs> and just like listen to wave sounds and then get back to work. But yeah, so Pirate and Mithra. So and here's another concession that I will speak for you. Braden hasn't played as them yet. I have not. Oops. Uh, do you have any questions? Not really. A lot of it is just 
I'm always curious about these new characters' viability because they all come sure. with the new gimmick, and I wonder if that's, right. you know, truly for visual or nostalgic value, or if you know it's a competitive edge. And it sounds like with Pyra yeah. and Mithra, it it actually kind of is a competitive edge. It definitely is, and I mean, it's kind of it's basically a running joke in like the Smash community at this point that like every character that gets revealed like in their reveal trailer and Sakurai's explaining like all of their ins and outs that like mm-hmm. the new character is the most overpowered right like right. each time <laughs> and then they have to be nerfed later uh-huh. but i don't know man they're pretty adaptable uh-huh. all around it's pretty wild hey that's cool I, I i you you covered some good bases there and i again since i have not played as them I wish I could contribute mm. more. And I, again, not having played Xenoblade Chronicles 2, I don't even have context there. I'm surprised it's not yeah. Rex. That's the character I know right. of. And right. I know Sakurai kind of talked about it a little bit too. Way, way back when, like before Ultimate even dropped, like people were hoping for, expecting, predicting uh, Rex and Pyra. Mm. Mm-hmm. Xenoblade Chronicles 2, the extent that I know of the story is that there are these people and then they have weapons called like arms or something. Blades, I think. And blades, blades. Yes, that's correct. And blades are weapons that they use, but blades are also like characters. Like they have like their own personalities and such. And so Rex, the main character, this little kid dude who is the Shulk <laughs> of Xenoblade Chronicles 2 has this blade the xenoblade <laughs> 2 um, and the blade is pyra and i guess at some point in the story the blade changes and becomes mithra some story reason hey. there's two of them in yeah. the blade and so that's that's the that is the but that's the interesting thing is that it's not rex and pyra it's not rex wielding pyra as like a weapon mm-hmm. as like as like a uh ice climbers kind of thing or like a joker getting arsene kind of thing it's it is pyra and mithra the blade itself Mm -hmm. as the playable character which is interesting and i think the best execution of that whole concept that could have been um which is is like was like the one thing of the reveal that i appreciated that wasn't like rex and pyra it wasn't rex yeah yeah yeah. the annoying seeming little guy Mm mm-hmm protagonist of xenoblade 2 i think it's cool that it is the both of these characters yeah definitely a little and more variety overall, a, a little for sure and i so far i appreciate their execution i it doesn't necessarily make me any more interested in xenoblade chronicles 2 than i am uh-huh. unfortunately i am interested in that game only because i love xenoblade chronicles mm-hmm. but what is your sign off of of them <laughs> Well, that that's probably a, a decent transition into our Nintendium if you're feeling complete with, mm-hmm. with Pyra and Mithra because this Nintendium just got me feeling so many kinds of ways. I, I am sure. I am Definitely. now a double Xenoblade fan. Uh-huh. I, I like two of the games in the series, which is cool. Um, I want to play Xenoblade Chronicles 2 coming off of this Nintendium. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna need some time to to rest and sure. and play no other doubt. things. Digest a little yes. bit. The the game I've been playing as we transition into our Nintendium of the episode is Xenoblade Chronicles X for the Wii U, mm-hmm. which is is nice to keep with the Xenoblade yes. theme of the episode. Xenoblade Double Special. Woo-hoo. Ironically, both spinoff esque 
things, not really Xenoblade 1 or 2, but weird spin-off right. pseudo sequel and also some DLC. Absolutely. Great discussion. So, Xenoblade X, some of just kind of the basic info about it. It was released in 2015 for the Wii U exclusively, developed mm-hmm. by Monolith Soft. And like you said, it is kind of a pseudo sequel to Xenoblade Chronicles for the Wii in that it's it's as is true to the Xeno series, which is a, a a larger series that spans several decades and platforms. Sure. Uh, I mean, even calling it a franchise is like almost too giving it too much credit. Cause sure. they're re- I mean, you, you played Xenoblade X, so maybe you can attest better than I can, but like, as far as I'm aware, Xeno gears, Xeno saga and Xeno blade might as well be different series as far as plot is concerned. Like absolutely. And to, some degree, the games within Xeno Saga, Xeno Gears, and Xeno Blade are all entirely separate as well. Uh, mm-hmm. In Xeno Blade One, Two, and X, there are some kind of threads that they weave together. Blah blah blah. We'll get into that. I don't. Okay. I can't speak to Xeno Gears or Saga, but sure. regardless, they're all kind of standalone experiences, standalone stories that don't feed into one another you don't need the context of any previous games to fully enjoy the game sure and dare i say i don't want to skip too far ahead but that seems to be sort of the case with the xenoblade games themselves xenoblade chronicles 1 x and 2 are like relatively separate and divested plot wise yes as i understand it xenoblade one is is its own self-contained story a pretty a pretty like meta story like it leaves a lot of threads Mm -hmm. loose for sequels and i followed xenoblade chronicles x a lot up to its release i never bought it or played Mm -hmm. it but having loved xenoblade chronicles and having one of the seven we use out in the universe (laughs) at the time I was following the development of Xenoblade Chronicles because it was also very highly marketed Mm -hmm. at the time as one of the seven Wii U games available as well. And the other interesting thing, just to put it all in a capsule, is Xenoblade Chronicles 2 on the surface is also its own separate plot from the other Xenoblade games, which you can only kind of like safely say because it was part of the DLC for Xenoblade 2, like after its release, that Shulk and Fiora were introduced, uh-huh. like old characters, you know, mm-hmm. that like the old plot threads were brought into the game. So I, I'm, I, I can't speak with 100% certainty that it's the case, but it seems like generally of these three Xenoblade games, the plots are mostly separate and you can play any of them at your own freedom. So you are from my understanding as well from all my experience 100% correct there are plenty of unanswered threads and questions in Xenoblade Chronicles 1 and X mm-hmm. let me tell you does the same thing if not <laughs> twofold terrific um and i guess one more one more point one more um preliminary point for all the lay people in the audience it is worth noting Xenoblade Chronicles came out on the Wii first mm-hmm. in like 2009 or something then Xenoblade X came out on the Wii U. Mm-hmm. And then Xenoblade 2, yes. the sequel to 1, came out like a few years later for the Switch. Yes. Yes. So this this is essentially why it was confusing back at, at, at one point because X came after 1, mm-hmm. thinking it was like a sequel, pseudo-sequel, and then we got 2 a few years later, and so now X is kind of like a spinoff. Right. Sort of. Kind of. 
maybe. I don't know. Well, and that's the thing. It it does feel like a spinoff in that it's a it is a different art style than Yes. Oh, either yeah. Chronicles one or two. It kind of meets in the mm-hmm. middle of the original Xenoblade Chronicles and the overly anime style of Xenoblade Chronicles two. But then mm-hmm. Definitive Edition, the the re release of Chronicles One for the Switch, kind of <laughs> then animated those graphics down. Right. And so True. Xenoblade Chronicles X by far is the the most quote unquote realistic. It still kind of has, you know, that anime styling to it, but it's grittier. Really? You think- the characters are full well, mm-hmm. I'm thinking of like their It almost eyes. looks like a Western art style to me. I mean, like comparatively at least to like Right. So all the setup in terms of like the releases mm-hmm. established. What is Xenoblade Chronicles X? Yeah, man. Itself. So first off, shout out to you for getting it for me for my birthday back in January. Absolutely. Thank you. You're welcome. I, I would have played an 80, 90 hour game for the show, but I figured maybe you had a little more time than me. May so as well you're pawn it off. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'd been on like a, a mech kick. I'd been like building Gundam mm. models and stuff like that. You, you really hit, hit the <laughs> nail on the head. It starts with planet Earth being destroyed by two alien races conducting war between themselves we are caught in the crossfire Hmm. of two alien races and and our planet is destroyed luckily we had seen it coming for (laughs) some amount of time and had prepared for it and built these massive space colonies each country in the real world you know united states russia japan all these countries built massive space shuttles, these colonies to send out into space and hopefully one day land on a planet that is habitable for humans because they, they knew essentially that Earth was going to be destroyed. And you wake up as a survivor of the United States colony, actually. You, you wake up, you have landed on a planet, you have some convenient amnesia to the whole situation. But mm. it, it turns out you'd been floating through space for two years in stasis. You crash landed on a planet. You'd now been there for two months and they found your pod and, and now you're awake. So that is at the base level what you're walking into when you start Xenoblade Chronicles X. And see, and that's already like where I feel a more like Western influence. Yes. Like even at the outset, like because because that's essentially my understanding of, of the game. Mm hmm at its core too with my limited marketing knowledge you know sure. and that it reminds me a lot of like mass effect yes you know? yes like it's the united states and earth mm-hmm. and like the real world like it's worth noting xenoblade chronicles and chronicles 2 do not initially have anything to do with the real world they do not the outset is like purely fantasy purely yes. mythical even yes this is the real universe yes i'm going to reference actually our old xenoblade chronicles definitive edition episode which listen to it if mm. you haven't i haven't <laughs> you, well you said <laughs> so but um <laughs> yep but yeah you the listener uh, if you're looking for any additional context to anything that we may be talking about here today i would definitely recommend listening to it but Xenoblade Chronicles mm-hmm. 1, it creates a religion. It is that high, high philosophy, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's so out there and just meta and, and truly Highbrow. Yes, truly philosophical. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's questioning creation, etc. Re- and and like you said, it's- this really brings it home 
to Earth. Yes. Like, it grounds it in reality. Because, like, I mean, Xenoblade 1, 2 is, like, more fantasy. Way more fantasy than anything. Yes. More than it is sci-fi. Sure. There's a lot, of, there's, like, technology and sci-fi elements, but it's, like, fantasy. It doesn't explain anything. Right. This is pretty grounded science fiction, Earth, spaceships, pods. You- are on technology you are right on the money and mass effect i literally have that in my notes that the lore is on a mass effect level this game is an open world game and that is one of the selling features on the box essentially is that this world is huge and it is seamless you can move from one end of the map to the other with no loading screens if you choose to do so it is it is that well-developed and, you know, seamless, comprehensive. It's very cool. Mm. And so as you're moving throughout this world, your colony that that crash-landed on this planet is the only city. So as you're moving throughout the city, if you listen to the conversations, if you read all the intel, if you read the descriptions of the items that you that you find, the, the lore is just on another level. You know what I mean? The details are there if you're willing to dig into it. It's it's very, very cool. That's good world building. It is. And and it really helped my human lizard, I don't know, trope loving, you know, archetypal appreciating that yes, it was based in reality that these are aliens, not gods and demons. You know what I sure. mean? It's yeah. maybe it's the atheist in me that, you know, can't grasp some of the higher concept you know life and death stuff but i can absolutely understand the difference between a dozen alien species for whatever sure. reason you know what i mean <laughs> right. it really just uh-huh. adds up in my brain for whatever reason yeah yeah i don't know i i just from the start the story really really sucked me in and and got me drawn in there's some some mm-hmm. cool twists and turns that I wouldn't mind kind of touching on with you if you're willing to get into some spoiler territory. But I personally, I can't speak for like the audience and administratively if we are allowed to do that for them. Yeah, but I am. I don't mind being spoiled. It's up to you. So I think I'm going to go ahead and and put a spoiler tag here. Um, Say that from here on out, you know, we might touch on some light spoilers I, I definitely won't go into any of the, the big bad guys. I won't go into like the major story twists, but maybe some information that you only learn that is, is like definitely key to like the world and stuff, but you only learn in like chapter three or four, maybe out of 12, sure. if that makes sense. So mm. with that out of the way, I'm just going to go ahead and say one of the big things about being on this planet, the planet is called Mira, is... You are not the only species to be landing on this planet at this strangely convenient time. All of these different alien species seem to be getting sucked onto this planet at the same time. And and they do this really meta thing where they acknowledge the fact that you're all speaking the same language. They're all mm-hmm. like, well, how do we understand each other? Like, what is going on here? So there's kind of these like mysterious forces at play on this planet is it justified in the plot that they are also here seeking refuge kind of from this larger alien war or is that like is it like oh we we're forging for a new home for some other reason or something all of the aliens tend to be under oppression from the ganglion 
which are the the primary evil alien race that are out to eradicate humans in particular. What a great, but that is a great evil alien race name. Ganglion. The Ganglion. Yes. Terrific. Uh, and, and they're they're a good looking species, man. The alien species are just <laughs> man. They're cool. All of them are cool. A lot. They're stereotypical. Yeah. You got the the hive mind. You got the super geniuses. You got the the brutes. But but they're all mm. good. Regardless, they've all crash landed on Mira at a strangely similar time, and you quickly learn that the the planet has some mysterious properties to it. And then, hmm. what are you, what are you avoiding? Well, I'm trying to to segue into the fact that you're you're not a real human; you're a robot. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, well, can't help you there. Yeah. Um. Uh, <laughs> so all of these oppressed races are are landing on this planet together. They're and and it kind of does seem like there's a common thread that all these races are doomed and they're ending up on the same planet. It's kind of weird, but but regardless. The human's goal in all of this is to recover the life hold, which is a piece of their ship that broke off during entry to this planet that contains the bodies of all of the humans on that ship. Interesting. Their humanly essences, their con- yes, thank you. Their consciousnesses were uploaded into what they call mimeosomes that mimic human functions. So that because they didn't know how long the the space travel was going to take. So they have replicated the human body, uploaded their consciousnesses into these mimeosomes, and their bodies are in stasis, but are missing on the planet Mira. So you got to find your bodies, man, before the life hold loses its power. You are playing as a mimeosome. You are playing. You're not playing as a person. Interesting. Oh man, but they, they are you a person? Are you you? Are oh, you it's a good question. Do you need a human body to be a human? Oh what is I'm sorry, what was you saying about like this being like hard sci-fi and no philosophical or religious questions or themes? <gasps> but dude Run that by me again. At least they're not living on the dead body of a giant god. Dude, as that shit as, was awesome. It was cool. Are you kidding but me? As as- and it was more than that. It was like uh that Hell, that was more sci-fi than it's all a computer simulation. Like, come on. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all science. I don't Whatever. know. Whatever. No, mean, man. I just need to hear the word earth. Ground me there. And, <laughs> and I can build off that. I don't need Bionis sure. and okay. Reconis, Like, Yes, you do. I need it. Yeah, it's great. Well, okay. So, so and then uh, a connecting thread worth drawing here is that all of the xeno games xeno gears xeno saga and these xeno blades they all really allude to like like historically like to philosophical oh yeah but really like blatantly religious themes mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. the even xeno gears like back on the ps1 was like like i'm pretty sure you fought like something called like jehovah <laughs> like uh-huh. same kind of thing and it was it's also interesting I mean, and, and I will certainly let you go on with the plot and the details and whatever is important, but it's interesting leading up to the release of X as I was following the release and the marketing, um, something that got a lot of hate leading up to the release was it was dumbing down the religious themes. Mm. Like, I, I wish I'd done more research before recording this episode, but I do have remember distinctly like a lot of stink being raised around 
the scales. Yeah. The the mech suits that you not the the mimeosomes, mm-hmm. but these like mechs that you that your character hops into. Right. They, they're called scales. Gundam like they're just like robots. Yeah. They were called something else originally, or like in the direct Japanese translation, like they're called something like angels or something. Oh. I don't know. And the same goes for like other character names. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was like in like design documents they had different more like directly biblical names or right. if it was just like in the Japanese version they did, but that was all huh. deliberately changed in the Nintendo of America localization. And there was like a lot of backlash about that, just considering also the history of the Xeno series and like how right. that's kind of like an important core thing is like the imagery and the symbolism, you know? Yeah. I'm curious to see hear how that like fleshes out in the actual yeah final thing so it it's funny that you mentioned that because i was actually reading an article about uh primarily the censorship that the north american right. edition received uh there was a breast adjustment meter that right, was taken yes. out that was um and that was part of it like all the legitimate criticism for like the biblical and yeah. religious symbolism was like being clouded by like by the sexual censorship uh-huh, uh-huh. but you know 13 year old yes, girl you, you does not right. need the bikini guys uh just gonna go ahead and say it very true but if, you true. know maybe the scales being angels or demons or something would have been cool thanks guys yeah censorship sucks. but go on it does but i was reading an article uh, again primarily about that but tetsuya takahashi who is the producer the 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 mastermind behind the Zeno series mm-hmm. he actually mentioned that they kind of laid off the crazy stuff to focus on the hd aspects they wanted to make the game look really good and he thought that if he went too overboard with some of the philosophical themes, they couldn't achieve like the graphical parody with his ideas that he wanted almost. Really? Yeah. So I, it felt a little bit of a, an excuse to me, like, you know, he, he had a weaker idea this time, but that's so interesting. Cause yeah. it's usually the opposite. The more realistic you go, the crappier it ages. Yeah. And, and again, that was just like one interview that I, I read with him from 2017, actually, you know, a couple years past release. So, mm. so, you know, maybe things have changed since then, but sure. No, that's interesting. So you mentioned the scales, though. I guess let's let's kind of. Well, is is there anything else like plot wise, theme wise, you deem mm-hmm. essential enough before if if we're about to jump into gameplay and mechanics and such? Well, you know, and it, it's nice that I've said we're, we've been grounded on Earth because I would say the philosophical themes really do tie into humanity, life on Earth as we know it. You know, these xenoforms Hmm. are what they call aliens and other media have been calling aliens xenos and stuff. Is that going to be the new politically correct term for alien? Uh, That seems more politically incorrect to me by my own sensibilities. But I think uh, it's a a more diverse and all encompassing term. You know, it's a form. It's a it's a life form other than, you know, they both kind of have like real life political associations sure. the the prefix xeno but also aliens uh-huh. so good question actually yeah i don't know, I don't know but we'll see you know these xenoforms mm-hmm. are very separate from a lot of the themes that seem to come out from humanity and life on earth and these spaceships that are kind of intended to be arcs of sorts you know they they, mm-hmm. they store all this data from earth that is potentially about to be lost if if they can't recover the life hold in time. So mm-hmm. so it, it's cool stuff. It's it's really neat. And we can let's yeah, I think we should move on into the gameplay and how 
that kind of ties into and, and feeds into the aesthetic of the game. Tell me about it. Is it the same as Xenoblade? It absolutely One? is. It, cool. Um, yeah. Sounds good. good I, and, <laughs> yeah, fun. I, I Dude, uh, but I, as I was preparing for this episode, I did not listen back to our other episode on Xenoblade Chronicles. So I can't remember how we even described the combat system. The game is an action RPG sure. with real-time combat, but it, it runs on like a cooldown system. You know, you might think of it similar to many massive multiplayer online games. Mm-hmm. That's that's the, It's almost a joke, but it's also kind of like a genuine genre classification that like Xenoblade is kind of classified as a single player MMO. Yeah, yeah. A single player, massively a multiplayer online game. Right. Because the same kind of like combat and uh-huh. gameplay, you know. Yeah. So like your auto attacks are on like a, a two second timer if it's a sword or it's a four second timer if it's your guns because you have to reload. And, you know, mm. and then you have these arts, which you can use, which then cool down for probably 20 to 30 seconds. But those are your special attacks, your power ups, your your buffs and nerfs, things like that. Magic attacks, special moves right. and such. Dude, there's very little magic in this game. It's pretty wild. Oh, sure. I, I was expecting it to come out of the crevices, um, but it, it really never did. There's ether, as, a, as the word is, that Xenoblade uses for magic. It does appear as like an element that your guns or swords can take but you never cast spells or anything like that interesting yeah it's kind of like this universe is like plasma yeah as it were right uh sci-fi energy yes cool. sci-fi juice <laughs> an interesting thing every character does have a close combat a melee combat weapon and a ranged weapon which is essentially a gun and so interesting yeah you, you're you're moving between assault rifles and dual blades with with many different classes i think there's 12 to 16 different classes total that you kind of okay they kind of branch into each other like you 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 get one to level 10 and then two become available and then you get one of those to level 10 and then two more become available so so already this is a pretty massive departure from xenoblade one and presumably two because xenoblade one is like a specific party of seven or eight specific characters that have specific roles right and uh you have three different ones of your choice out on the field mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but there's like shulk the all-arounder melia the magic user mm-hmm. sharla the ranger and the buffer right um but these you're you're not playing as like a character character you're playing as kind of like a, a player stand-in and yes a class system is is needless to say something different from the norm yes. for this series so it, do it very much is that. But it's only for your character. You're you okay. are definitely playing, as you said, as like a player stand-in. You are an avatar. Their name is Cross, just as Xenoblade X would have them called. <laughs> you know, if you don't give them a name, it's sure. Cross. But your character is the only one that can change its class. All okay. of the, all of your party members have a class, but it's tangential to the ones that your character can achieve. Does mm-hmm. that make so there's Full Metal Jacket and Elma, your your primary partner chick, she's Full Metal Jacket Plus. You know what I mean? And so, like, okay. all of the, the party members kind of fall into one of those categories. Okay. And am I right in recalling that there's, like, dozens and dozens of different party members that you can acquire in mm-hmm. the game? You are correct. And so, And that's kind of, like, depending on, like, side quests and stuff you do and, like... Each specific different random party member you can acquire will have like one of these 16 classes, I guess, I assume. Yeah. So okay. you're, you, cool. I think you're kind of conflating a little bit 
a couple different mechanics that I, I, I want to mention. Oh, sure. Then don't, don't let me skip them. There are lots of different characters that have names and affinity missions, which are a Xenoblade staple. Mm-hmm. A huge part of this game is building relationships with the characters around you. And, and sure. it's not like love scenes, but it's friendship scenes. You know what I mean? Stuff like that. Character building. Yeah, exactly. So there are characters that like you have these affinity missions with. And I, I would say there I think there's easily a dozen of them, if not nearing 20. But what I think you're talking about is there's multiplayer to this game. And when I say right. multiplayer. Oh, wow. I forgot. I don't mean sit on the couch with your friend and I don't even really mean like link up to the same world and fight the same monster at the same time as your friend but there's multiplayer in that like you join these servers that they call squads of up to 32 people and from there you can essentially recruit their avatars to join your squad as as kind of a static type cpu you know Uh these these online squads that you join in they're they're very unintrusive unobtrusive to your gameplay experience like sometimes just a thing will appear like somebody wants to trade like you want to buy this item from somebody or this person discovered this or apparently there are these like group missions you can go on to tackle like giant monsters i have not experienced that yeah sort of i don't think they're like live raids because that's Mm. just not a feature you don't play with someone else necessarily Mm. But to, to get back to the answer to your question, I think maybe what you're talking about is like the, these these squad mates of yours, these online players that are real people, but like their avatar is like a recruitable character to your party. Okay, interesting. And they, they kind of randomly appear throughout the world. It, it confused me so much the first time. Like organically? I like, yes. I was like at this far point on the map on this beach and I just saw a character. I'm like, that's not normal. There's not characters out here. And I went and talked to them and they're like, hey, you want me to join your party? And I realized <laughs> like their name wasn't capitalized. So this is a real person. You know what I mean? Like, right. I don't know. It was, it was very strange and very cool. I mean, I guess I have to ask too, then like in the year 2021, six years after the release of the game, like how many of those are there wandering around? Do you think they're just kind of like saved from like the the history of the game's release? Or no. Like, I don't, dude. I think people are still playing this. Yes, yes, dude. People were coming online and going offline the entire time I played. When you when you first turn on the game each play session, you join a squad of thirty two. Like there's at least thirty two people there playing. There aren't thirty two we use out in the world. (laughs) Shoot! Oh no, those emulators are going crazy. But honestly, maybe. That's pretty crazy, though. Yeah. So it, it does say when you first booted up that Miiverse services have been suspended. So you can't like share right. your posts sure. or anything. And and I thought that meant, oh, online services online entirely uh-huh. are suspended. And and it's funny that first play session, which I didn't like turn off the console for like a day or two. Don't hate me. And it wasn't online for some reason. And so the second play session it went online and all these people started popping up. I'm like, yo, this game's still <laughs> live. This game is That's hype. crazy. Yeah, dude. It's super cool. And, and, and let's talk about scales, dude. Sure. Yeah. Well, so to, to, just to put a, a cap on it, it's three party members at once. Same oh, thing. Oh, uh, yeah. I apologize. It's the, no, actually there's four. You can, you can have oh, four cool. party members. Yeah, it's... And do you like assign them to like a ranged or close range position kind of thing? You like can. if it works, 
it's a combat like in function and works the same as xenoblade like i'm curious how like range and melee differentiate yeah because it all just kind of like is a blob in xenoblade you know like everybody's just kind of attacking all the time i'm not gonna lie it feels a little muddled that same way okay. in this game it for me it's just a rhythm of pressing the arts in you know a proper sure. cooldown time yeah and that's that's all it is there is still that feature where like if you get to the side or behind the enemy uh you can deal more damage and some arts deal like triple damage and bigger creatures have appendages that you can break as well um which will drop like special materials and and things like that so i mean they love monster hunter yeah right monster hunter blade x pretty much so that was a, a cool addition these monsters get massive in true xenoblade fashion Mm-hmm. the special monsters the named monsters like service the terrible they're called tyrants and 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 kind of play into the story of mira and and the whole game that these tyrants are you know they're terrifying you have to defeat them before they come and destroy our city you know that's cool it, the, the monster designs are great but scales but scales dude. you gotta get scales. in a scale to take down some of these freaking monsters dude right and and so the scales the hell's are, the scale the hell's the scale dude dude they put it on the box right they, yeah. they say explore mira in your robot suit that's a paraphrase and i'm like dope bet. but do it so but how long do you have to wait to get in your scale <sighs> how long did i text you <sighs> the game <laughs> made me wait at least 30 hours oh my god to unlock my scale uh it was earned felt good and let me tell you it opened up the game it, sure uh it was the missing key to the game that i i after 30 hours but man i can't tell you how many hours i put in this game i genuinely cannot because unfortunately like i said i left the console on a couple times <laughs> and so like my playtime is is very screwy okay yeah that's fair but i i put it at least double that at least 60 I mean, sure. So, oh, yeah. So well, I, I mean, I played game. like I finished Xenoblade one at like 80 some. Yeah. So like that's that's understandable. And and I mean, I so I started this game, if not the day before Pyra and Mithra dropped mm-hmm. like the day of. And so that that's easily three Two weeks ago three now. Weeks. Uh-huh. And and I played for at least four or five hours every day after I got <sighs> off work at least. And if I was off, I played more. I, I'm telling you, dude, it. it and I enjoyed almost every minute of it. It got difficult and grindy a couple times, mm. which again is kind of just JRPG, kind of just Xenoblade. I, you know what? I haven't griped at the game yet. There were some pretty stark difficulty cliffs that like really? you had to climb at a couple points because I, I felt like I was doing a lot of the side missions and not having to do the artificial grinding. I thought I was like, progressing regularly by like actually doing quests and like helping people and like but then it still wasn't good enough and so i had to go grind so there's a gripe for you but yeah so 30 hours for the scale way way worth it that's wild and then let me tell you it's another 15 20 
to unlock flight mode. There's oh a flight mode. Did I tell you? Did you know there's a flight mode? I thought I just would have figured they already flew. I thought that would be the thing. Nah, bro. They're flying. The like you said, the cover of the game uh-huh. is a scale. It's a big mech suit, and I think it's already in the air. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I think you're right. It's I'm got, like, pretty sure. Going. And like I said, like following the development of the game, like um, I remember, I remember E3. They had like a several hour long like let's show the first three hours of the game or whatever. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. and like the scales are front and center of everything. That's yeah. crazy to me. I mean, like, like that's the joke about like, if, whatever final fantasy, like 13 is like the game gets really good after like 50 hours. Yeah, then the right. real game starts uh-huh. and it's like, you can't, I mean, the game has to be good to a point before that. Right. Like, is it, if, if the game never got to the scales, would it, is it still good? Would it still be as good? <laughs> Man, this, this was really a perfect storm for me. Like okay. this game really has really kind of tickled something good for me, man, that I, I haven't sunk that many hours into a game in a long time. I haven't been that like invested in a story in a long time. I really felt compelled to find this life hold, dude. Like yeah. it was a believable story that I felt I can contribute to and had plenty of mystery along the way. Like I, it was everything I could ask for. Even if it didn't like internally d- directly incorporate religious elements, it turned into a re- religious experience for you. It sounds like, like. sounded like yes, dude, of it, its own of some sort. This this game is on some kind of list for me. I I haven't decided what list, but it's it's My there. Goodness. So scales, scales, thirty hours, you get one. Thirty hours. 20 more and you can fly and you need to fly yeah what's the difference between like a walking scale and a flying scale uh the walking scale i mean you scales can actually transform into cars i don't know if you know that as oh, well hell yeah um, and when i say cars like they look almost more like tanks or something like that tanks but they like zoom zoom they go. you're twice three times as fast as your sprint will go you know what i mean it, it's, it's a necessary step to be able to traverse this massive open world mira it's sure. split into five continents that are all really massive and feel pretty individual from one another and do those have like loading screens in between or do you just like sprint f- over the border from one into the other oh my gosh dude it was the best when you get your flight module they put uh-huh. you in the test hangar and they say go so you fly <laughs> and you go up and you go up and you go up over the city and you're like, no way. They're not going to let me leave the city. <laughs> and then you go and you fly out of the city. And then you fly into Primordia, the, the huge plane that surrounds the city that usually you fast travel to or have to like leave the gate. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Uh, which there's no loading screen if you leave the gate either. You know what I mean? Right. But, yeah. but I expected something to happen. But no. A new Just... song played. I, I, that the, the the music's not great. Some of the tracks are <laughs> baller. This this track was baller when you start flying. Cool. It it was it was a great great moment. It it felt like this is why I play games. interesting because that's not something that many games achieve even now mm-hmm. like we were just talking about a couple episodes ago the 3d the bowser's fury thing how like when you become mm-hmm. big cat mario like it's a loading screen and then yeah it's kind of lame yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's 
interesting, especially on the Wii U. Yeah. A technical underdog. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I thought, uh, there's, are they going to invisible force field me? Are they going right. to wall me? Are they going to, you're go, you've gone too far, you know, turn around, but, but it nah, just, it, it, and, and they prepared for it. Like, you know what I mean? It's that's, I feel like that's part of the selling point that they marketed too is just the scale of this game. And, mm. and they, they lived up to it. This flight mode, is this like a, like a plane mode like it's the car mode but just in the air or is it like your scale can like hover now your scale essentially gets thrusters like it you know it, it doesn't transform into any other forms it's just okay. in its its bipedal mode it's not like a robotech no that? Uh, Back in that the was that was a good transfer there's an intent jim that's wow but robotech's yeah. like a whole franchise dude it's not even like some I mean, it special is. game so we've done like franchise entries on Hamtaro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, if we'll you're listening to, to this because you listen to Hamtaro, please message me. By the way, <laughs> he hey. wants to talk about Hamtaro. Yeah. And upon mm-hmm. reflection, though, I'm I'm wondering if that that beautiful flight moment when when they first have you take off, I wonder if that was so satisfying. I said, that's why a game. If it's because it was 50 hours into my experience. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm sure it was like being built up the whole mm-hmm. time, or like, if not like blatantly built up by the game, like you were still just like frothing at the mouth for uh-huh. the scale already. Yeah. Yeah. When you say the wait is worth it, I mean, like, there's a fine line between like holding something out so long that it like just like the reward has to be good enough. And like sometimes 50 hours in, a reward really can be worth that, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, all that trouble as it were. So all that praise said though, I, I I'll write off what you're saying there. If you don't like this game, you won't care about the scale. Like this is a very like stylized game, at least combat wise. You know what I mean? Like you're the combat is like the primary function of this game. And and if you aren't a fan of like that auto attack kind of like cooldown based combat system, like you'll hate the game and that's okay. Like I I can bear no grudge against you. I don't love every RPG I play. And so like the fact that that's this not true. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. I five hours <laughs> in I'm like best it's game like, I've ever played. Uh, let's look at the like the last like fifteen episodes of Intentions and see what yeah. Braden's brought to the table. <laughs> right. But but I mean like just genuinely like basic turn based RPGs generally don't do it for me like sure yeah I feel that you know what I mean and so like for some people that's their bread and butter and real time combat doesn't you know that's that's yeah. not fun and definitely. so like I I can definitely see this game like being a turnoff for a lot of people if especially if you're going in like this oh, isn't a mech this game is, right this is a mech game this is Zelda with robots like no dude you are going to have to navigate some complex battle systems my friend this isn't even like a mech rpg even, no barely no like it's a mechs, mechs should not be yeah mech it's like a reward yes 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 so a quick something that we didn't necessarily get into the combat in the mechs in the scales mm-hmm. is it the same yes thing okay it you is. still are your party members in scales as well yeah dude, is the scale just kind of like four scales yes the, so it's the same combat the 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 scale is just kind of like upped a little bit 
exactly. Um, okay. That's I, I'd even say like the cooldowns kind of are on a longer, a longer time frame as well to kind of represent just the, the heaviness of them. Um, sure. The skulls do run on a fuel system, which at times begins to feel fairly useless. I don't know. It, it's just more of a chore to fill it up than anything. Like the resource mm. that it takes to pay for fuel is not that hard to come by. And There's no like tension. It's just kind of like annoying. Yeah, it's just inconvenient. Like I'm going to have to fast travel back to the barracks real quick to like buy some more fuel and then fast travel back to wherever I was, you know, so I can finish this battle essentially. Sure. But, you know, that an, another tiny nitpick in, in what is otherwise a, a cool package. 30 hours in ish, you get your scale. 20, 15 hours later, you get it to fly. How much left of the game is there? You are eligible for a scale after chapter six and there are 12 chapters okay that's not too bad i I mean it it would definitely be a weird reward system especially considering the marketing for the game Mm. um if like you only had a scale for like the last like 10 hours right you know Uh if it was like you have the scale for like the final boss no no it's it's definitely a a healthy portion of the game you know what i mean Mm. it uh it feels like the it does kind of end up feeling like the lasting impression Mm -hmm. yeah yeah okay interesting the 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 time sink of to this game though just 30 hours to get halfway through you know and then there's some steep difficulty cliffs that you're gonna have to grind against and i mean that's that's obviously another turnoff for a lot of people like Mm. they don't they aren't looking for that that kind of investment that kind of intricacy that kind of detail but if you are willing to experiment even and just kind of try something new i don't know there's so many different avenues this game can take you down and i i swear there's something that you'll like that you'll appreciate you know what i mean that you'll see the heart in it sounds tricky it sounds like you're having trouble like selling it because it's it's a jrpg it's a japanese rpg but it's not really like a jrpg gamers jrpg yeah but it's also not really like if you liked mass effect try this Uh you know it's like uh-huh. a JRPG for people that like Mass Effect. Like maybe yeah. if you want to dip your toes in it, try this. And if it's like it's like if you are a JRPG gamer but you like you like western sci-fi kind of things, like Can I give you Star the... Trek, like give it a I've got try. the ultimate billing for you. Oh boy. If you're a sci-fi fan and you like the show Lost, what the fuck? The, I, I this is the <laughs> one for you. That makes me so much more concerned for the plot. That's going to be my segue into sequel talk and and okay, and stuff. Sure. But but the game ends on a literal cliffhanger. I'll go ahead and say that it ends on multiple cliffhangers. Uh, <laughs> every aspect of the game is it uh, dissatisfying? Can, no, it's freaking hype. It's freaking whoa! It's how is this happening? I want to find out more. Give me more. This is almost worth keeping in, dude. Spoiler, 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 spoiler. Quit listening if you don't want to know the ending of this game. I'm going to cut this into the beginning of this conversation because we just had a huge spoiler conversation that I think is worth listening to if you want to hear it. Dude, the 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 life hold is destroyed. So first, they get to the life hold and it turns out their bodies weren't there at all. Their consciousnesses had been uploaded into a computer and they have the technology to recreate bodies, right? so that was the plan like they were going to recreate the bodies from the dna they'd harvested from all the humans 
and animals on Earth, then re-upload their consciousnesses. And the reason they had to get there in time was because the life hold was going to run out of energy. If it ran out of energy, the stasis would they end. Could, oh, the, like they would shut down. They would shut down. Replicant things. Yes, their mimeosomes oh, would shut down. They get to the life hold in the end, and it's destroyed. It had been destroyed sure. from the moment they landed. Like from the crash landing? Pure accidental accident. damage. It oh was flooded. God. It was like... Yeah. Okay. And so that, combined with the fact that all the xenoforms on this planet are somehow entering this purgatory planet of dying species, and they all oh. speak similar languages, and oh. man, lost or not? But it doesn't like does it? It doesn't say that. It doesn't be like who? What's the f- okay? So nope. what's the final boss? Can you can you summarize it? It's a series of bosses, like any good JRPG. Um, but it's the Ganglion boss man. Then he gets in the- his big scale, and then it's this guy. It's a human who falls in the DNA pit essentially and harnesses all the different DNA of Earth. And like becomes this like abomination <laughs> with like an elephant head and like a tree trunk and like a lion oh and like God. it's it's pretty cool. And so like it's grounded in Earth. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's all about life on Earth. And it, this is almost worth keeping in, dude. Spoiler, 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 spoiler. Quit listening if you don't want to know the ending of this game. I'm going to cut this into the beginning of this conversation because we just had a huge spoiler conversation that I think is worth listening to if you want to hear it. Wait, so, 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 so. So it does it ever like mention where do you get to the purgatory? That's that is my uh, that is me bringing lost theory into (laughs) the world of Xenoblade in that like maybe these are like dying species or Mm. dying races that have been gathered here on this mysterious planet, which clearly has its own like natural properties or something to it that's doing weird things. Like they acknowledge that as well. Mira is like an enigma. And this could be why the Mimeosomes are still alive, even Precisely. though the life hold is bunk. Precisely. Are the Ganglion like the Reapers from Mass Effect? They're they're borderline Reapers, but it's more they it's like, less all of life itself and more they hate humans. Are they just trying to eradicate humans? And like Yes, I don't understand how the war between them and another alien race brought them to earth. I I'm mm-hmm. unclear on that, but they are also very much out to get humans. We are their antithesis of sorts. Okay. And so final boss kill him. Ganglion threat is no more question mark. Right. Yep. So what's the ending cliffhangers on cliffhangers? Apparently. Yes. Mm-hmm. But like, where are we? Um, at the end, humans have a new planet to live on. Uh, it's Mira? interesting. They they theorize. They wonder if like other arcs landed on other planets. You know what I mean? Mm. Like maybe humans are now spreading throughout the galaxy, like on multiple planets and stuff. New LA is the city. I, I guess I hadn't said that yet. But all these xenoform species and races have come to live in new la so you've you've kind of created this eden of sorts for 
new life to take hold man you're saying eden and purgatory and stuff and i'm just thinking about like all this I symbolism and imagery i hate myself. no but I, I mean yes yes <laughs> screw you yes the religion is there mm-hmm. whether you want it or not but like also like yeah the religion is there whether you want it or not like i can't believe like i can only imagine like how much actually stronger these like spiritual themes were actually intended to be reinforced mm-hmm. and it was left out of like the localization and translation it's true i i couldn't tell you I haven't I haven't done that. I wonder what like the Japanese version directly translated sounds like in comparison. Yeah, that is worthwhile research to do before we record this podcast. So still in this spoiler zone, can you attempt to connect it to the ending of Xenoblade 1? Not at all. Because like Xenoblade 1 ends with you're actually kind of sort of in the real universe. Right. There are the planets, there's Earth. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Xenoblade 1 is created during the events of xenoblade x or something like that or in like the lead up you know what i mean so the year is only 2054 in xenoblade chronicles x they have a real human earth date to it you know what i mean 2054 and so maybe xenoblade chronicles one spaceship was 2024 um right no no there's no pawn which are a Xenoblade facet. That's a species. Kind of looks like a little potato. And they're in Xenoblade 2. I, th- I believe so. And Somehow. They're also an X. And like they do this thing where they, they refer to humans as hom-homs. And, but then in Xenoblade X, he's like, wait, why did I say hom-hom? What does that even mean? And so... Do you think that's an Easter egg? Or do you think... Oh, is yeah, that like a recurring thing? Is it, like oh, uh, like... It happens once at the end of the game. He's like, I love my uh, hom-homs. And he goes, wait, what's a hom-hom? And I'm like, all right, nice okay. callback. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know, man. I'm I'm feeling good. This is one of our longest episodes we've done in a long time. You have let me just go wild here. And, and I have butterflies in my stomach because I've had fun. I, I'm glad. I feel like it's still, I feel like we've only barely scratched the surface about it. I feel like there's still so much to talk about, about it. And I wish we could. I got a couple finale questions. So something very, very, very important of all the combat mechanics, the story, the plot, the aesthetic, how's the music? You said it wasn't as good as the first one? No. Because the first one has a godly soundtrack. It does. Those tracks are iconic. Uh, this one's really interesting. They have a lot of vocalization to it, um, which I'm not a big fan of in gaming for the most part. I, I uh, Instrumental tracks tend to draw me into games more than lyrics, I guess. Yeah, we um, hate Sonic Adventure 2 in this household, huh? No, dude. It, it, I said for the most part. <laughs> that That is where my head went immediately for sure as as an exception yeah mm-hmm. so some of those like new la's track is really bad and <laughs> and you spend a lot of time there like i really uh, don't like it the tyrant theme so like the special bad guys in xenoblade chronicles one that is my favorite track when you're fighting like yeah a unique oh character oh yeah and that's like that's i mean that's shulk's victory theme in oh Super yeah Smash Bros. like that's xenoblade chronicles one like i don't know how much y'all talked about it in the episode but like soundtrack is truly 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 classic godly Mm -hmm. amazing exemplary on all facets so much so that for xenoblade definitive edition Mm -hmm. they reorchestrated they rearranged and re-recorded every single track Mm -hmm. in the entire soundtrack yes and they so they're like both worth listening to but unfortunately about 
Unfortunately, X, X. is not in that same boat. The, the tyrant theme That's is okay. cool and good. The mm-hmm. flight song, like sometimes I just hover on the ground so I can listen to the flight song mm-hmm. because it'll it's annoying. It'll turn on and off like as soon as your feet touch the ground and it'll restart <laughs> too. And so like I'll get to the good part, accidentally touch the ground and then like, no, I got to restart again. That's funny. So unfortunately, the music is not the strongest suit. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's that's understandable. You, you can't all be Xenoblade 1. My my final question, and it's very, very important. Xenoblade Chronicles 1 has the Monado. Xenoblade Chronicles 2 has the Blades, mm-hmm. Pyra and Mithra, as we've discussed. What is Xenoblade Chronicles X's Xenoblade? Does it have a blade wow. to, to speak of? Why Why is it Xenoblade Chronicles, except for being like, gameplay wise a spiritual successor why why xenoblade why not like xeno something else yeah man i have no good answers for any of those angles unfortunately uh xenoblades nothing really that i can think of that (laughs) that can i mean hell you you, apparently it sounds like you could use a xeno gun the whole time too if you want yeah well that's the thing like i i don't know you don't scales love i don't know (laughs) the friends we made along the way the life hold I don't know. Okay. Genuinely, mostly like a uh, facetious rhetorical question. No, like, yeah. Because it didn't seem like there was a like an actual answer, but it, like I feel like that's the first question anybody should ask is like, hmm, Xenoblade Chronicles X. What's the what's the blade? I have a little beef with Tetsuya Takahashi, again, the producer of the series, that, I don't know, I think it's kind of like vain and prideful that he like decides to keep all these games within the same series. Just call oh, them definitely. something else. Like, For sure. It would almost serve them better to be separated as like separate games you know what i mean definitely Uh, and like it's worth noting mithra's design is like verbatim one of the key characters from xenosaga Uh, mecha girl yeah like angelic sort of mecha girl even and fiora from xenoblade chronicles 2 like sure are basically spitting image of this character cosmos from xenosaga which was a a trio a trilogy of games on a ps2 yeah exactly It's Uh very much like a repeated design that I guess he likes a lot. A lot of people throughout Smash's history have kind of like pulled for Cosmos as like a playable character. I think this is kind of like the concession Uh is getting Mithra. But like just all the Xeno games, yes, it's a little vain to like have them related in any capacity Mm -hmm. because they're not. But like also, you know, sort of. It's just this Takahashi dude's like shtick, which is cool. He can. It's his vanity project. Yeah. All right, man. I have been hyping you up for weeks for this, and an hour and forty five minutes later, I have to say, I think, I think I'm content. I think we made uh, it. We covered my notes. I feel good. If you need to write an essay or something, or do a one off like by yourself, by all means, you have my permission. Yeah, but uh, whatever you need to get off your chest. No, but thanks for getting through that with me. Yeah, of I course. Appreciate it and had fun. And I have one just shout out to um, the whole Xenoblade X project that I've kind of been conducting over the past couple of weeks. If you haven't been like following us on Instagram or Facebook, I've been sharing ah. crazy amounts of screenshots of the game. A, I feel like I've taken some pretty darn good screenshots. I have easily over 100 and I'm, I'll probably do a Facebook dump of all of them. I'll try and share some of the best on Instagram, etc. But I want to give a huge shout out to ShutterU.com. It's Shutter-U.com. It's a Wii U screenshotting tool that you can access from the Wii U's internet browser. And that's how I've been taking all my screenshots. It's totally free. It's very like user friendly. And so for anybody listening, 
if you need Wii U screenshots. I, I just wanted to give them credit where it's due. That's cool. That's good yeah. to know. Yeah. All right. Get us out of here, man. Yeah. This has been a, a very fun, lengthy, meaty episode yes. of uh, the Nintendo Gems podcast. Thank you, everybody, for sticking with us through the whole time. I uh, hope you had fun as well. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the usual suspects. You can join us on our Discord server and hang out with us a little bit if you so desire. You can check out my own personal work. You might hear uh, the theme song fading in at this point, um, but I make music of my own under the stage name Weave, W-E-A-V. It's on Spotify and Bandcamp and all your favorite music streaming platforms. Anything else you want to plug, Braden? Nah, guys. Reach out to us. We are dying to hear from you, uh, what you're playing, what you like about us, and what you don't like about us, I guess. But reach yeah. out to us. Hit us up on Discord. Play me in Smash. See if you can uh, mm-hmm. change my mind about Pyra and Mithra. There you go. Thanks, everybody, for sticking with us and hanging out. My name is Connor. And I am Brayden. And this is the Nintendent Podcast. See y'all next time. Bye-bye. Love you.